0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the RockCast, powered by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan Bud here, and today we're going to tackle another episode of Tipsy Tuesday. So, a uh, couple of the latest episodes we just came out with. Uh, we had Jared Bloomgren on talking about western hunting, just hunting the west, and and all that that entails. And then we also just had Mike Street back on talking about deer populations, specifically mule deer populations in the west trends and things like that um so those new episodes are are up and rocking new rock slide articles that are up jake potter reviewed the stone glacier de Havilland light pant and then tony treach reviewed um hoffman's six inch summit boot so those two are up and then robbie just did a book review and the book is by dan branigan it's called so you want to hunt the west for mule deer um just a little short thing Robbie said at the, at the beginning of it was a good book, especially for new mule deer hunters. So check that out. One thing I was thinking about um, recently with books and podcasts and, and online articles and things. I think that with the uptick in podcasts and just how available they are, um, that the reading kind of gets phased out now, especially books um, I think online articles are still you know getting a ton of traction and they're they're easy to find and they're easy to read and everything. but it seems like books, I just don't hear about them very often. Really, Robbie's the only person I hear about books from. So uh, but I have Robbie's book, and um, I also have David uh, David Long's book. I think he actually has two of them, and I'm pretty sure I have both of them. And then, like Josh Kirchner's came out of the book called "Becoming a Backpack Hunter." I actually did a podcast with him a while back after that came out, and that was about like gear and just you know starting out. And I think you know just with the saturation of podcasts, and usually you know you're listening to them when you're doing something else, like driving down the road or um, at work or whatever. And for me, anyways, I suppose it depends on how you learn. But for me, there's some podcasts I need to listen to, especially if it's like really in depth and I'm really into it. Like, I'll listen to that thing like three times just to try to pick up little tidbits. You know, it's, I think it's kind of like watching a movie, you know, a funny movie or a clever movie or something where, like, you know, the third time you watch it, you might pick up on something else that was funny that you didn't even notice before. So, kind of the same concept in my brain, anyways. But I think books. Um, are still very, very applicable. And there's a ton of information in those books that, you know, it could get breezed over in a podcast or something. So in short, I think books are still very applicable. And um, there's a bunch of of hunting books around now. Um, It seems like especially on hunting mule deer and things like that. So you should pick those books up. A few of those that I just rattled off, you know, especially we love Robbie's book. Um, and you can pick that up in the Rock Slide store, and I think he'll even sign it for you on that one. Or you can get it at Amazon, and he says you'll get it faster through Amazon. But you can get the you can get the Legends signature in your book, and that's kind of cool. So, um, anyways, I just think that's applicable, and you should think about that if you're really into this hunting mule deer stuff. Um, maybe go at it from a little bit different direction. And read those books and see what those, you know, those guys have been doing and and whatnot. So anyways, moving on. Um, some new products that are out. Uh, first off, new Kaparu packs that are out. They have, they just released uh, actually three packs recently. The two most recent are the doll and the Nargali. The Nargali reminds me of the old Argali bag that they used to have. It was just a super, super simple bag. There was like no pockets in it. It was just a bag. And for the lightweight crowd, they really liked it. Um, so they came out with one called the Nargali. It's a, really similar to the Muskeg, which is that x Um Basically, it's an x pack pack, but it also has um, Cordura on it, just because of how it has to be sewed and whatnot, but the X-Pack is basically waterproof, except for like stitching and in the obvious places. Um, but it'll definitely help the moisture, not getting moisture into your pack like in really wet environments. Um, so the doll is the big version. I believe it's like 7,800 cubic inches or right around 8,000. And then the Nargali is a smaller bag. I believe it's like 4,800 cubic inches or right in tipping in there at 5,000. Which for me, for like Western hunting type stuff, um, for the average person, I always try to use that 5,000 cubic inch rule as like a, you know, starting point anyways. Um, If you want to carry more stuff or if you decide you like a bigger bag, you can always go bigger. And then if you decide you want to go to a smaller bag, then you can always go that direction. Um, But I personally wouldn't recommend people get in to a pack like under 4,000 cubic inches when they're just getting started out. Um, It's just me, it's just me thing, I guess, but uh, I never recommend that. Also, they came out with one called the Straight Jacket, which essentially is like a Nomad pack. with just the, the folding wings, but they sewed in a cargo panel, basically. So that's a really versatile pack. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Rolling back to the doll in our golly real quick. I'm gonna take the doll on my doll sheep hunt, which is kind of cool. Didn't even know they were gonna name it that. Um, but so that'll be cool. I should have that hopefully soon and can be able to do like a full lineup gear list. I'm gonna do a full on Gearless podcast about what I'm going to take with me on that hunt and then I mean essentially it is not that much different than what I take on a basic mule deer hunt um the only thing that's going to change is maybe like a couple of my comfort items I'm not going to take um I'm going to be a little bit more diligent on moisture protection the rain gear is going to be burlier for sure um but other than that it's Pretty dang near the same as any other trip that I would take. So I think that's going to be a cool podcast. I'll try to knock that out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, okay, that pretty much wraps it up for new things from Kafaru. Um, Sika Gear has a new sleeping bag that is very interesting. It's called the Kelvin Aerolite 30. It's running 400 bucks. It's a 30 degree um, synthetic bag, and that, that 30 degree is a comfort rating. They do specify that. And it's interesting. It um it, there's zippers like where the armholes, if you're wearing a jacket where the armholes would be in like a sleeping bag, there's zippers there. So you can um uh, and then it has a set, a two-way center zip. So you can like basically wear it as a a big long puffy jacket if you wanted to. You wouldn't have puffy jacket sleeves, um, but you would have that uh like a sleeping bag that you can walk around with, which is interesting. And then the fold, or the hood can fold up and down. So it is, uh, it weighs just under two and a half pounds. And again, it's 400 bucks. You can, they have a a regular and then a long, I think I said the regular uh, held up to like a six foot six person, which is kind of crazy for a regular. Um, but go check that out, I'm just on Sitka's website there. And then um, on to some hot news. Wyoming Game and Fish Department, we talked about this a bit. The elk feed grounds, some of the, the uh, I don't know if you'd call it controversy, but that pops up. Um, that has popped up with the elk feed grounds just, um, you know, getting all the elk in into one place. Um, but so what they're going to do is they're on to phase two of the process of kind of reconfiguring how all that's going to work um, they're So coming up pretty dang soon here, just in the next, from basically July 27th to August 5th, there's going to be six public meetings and they are going to have the goal of um, uh, the goal of the meetings. And then like the general discussions around the meetings um, are going to regard the elk feed grounds within Wyoming and they want to develop a long-term management plan that will be managed by the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. Um, Right now, the idea is to have a draft management plan in the hands of Wyoming Game and Fish Commission by next spring. So, um, just a little quote here from the article I pulled this off of. Um, Phase two is designed to have more in-depth engagement with various stakeholder groups on elk feed grounds. We, okay, we will provide additional opportunities for shared learning on issues um, that were identified by participants as an outcome of phase one. So if this interests you, like if you get into this, July 27th through August 5th, there's gonna be meetings in Laramie, Rock Springs, Casper, Afton, Pinedale, and Jackson. Short amount of time, um, but they're gonna get in all the public comment that they can during that time, um, for the future of the elk feed grounds. Okay, on to Montana, a couple things in Montana. Um, the first thing they're doing is they're seeking comment for a new muzzle season, and this would, new season would follow the regular season and allow anyone with unused license permits that were valid during the general season for deer and elk um, in a specific district, to use the same unfilled tags, but with a muzzleloader. And it sounds like they're going to be pretty limited on what muzzleloader you can shoot. It's not going to be... You, it can't be scoped, and there was some of those other things. It sounded a lot like Idaho, where... Um, it's it had got, got to be pretty primitive, if you will. So they're seeking public comment on that through July 26th. If you're interested in that, hop on there and, and check it out on their website. Also in Montana, they're trying to extend some cow seasons. And this, this article went kind of deep into some controversies of it. Um, I'm deciding to kind of stay out of that. Um, but basically what they're doing is uh, Montana says that their elk population is over-objective in most of their units and so they're considering extending the rifle season until February 15th in some districts for cows. Um, it would not include national forest lands. Sounds like that's basically it just won't include national forest lands, so it's going to open it up to like a lot of private and that's where some of the controversy is coming in on both sides. Um, there some, you know, people are saying that that this is going to give the Private landowners like an upper hand um, as far as financial gain, and and then they also say that the landowners are going to be against it. So it's interesting. If you want to dive into that, you can go hop on um, the Go Hunt website is where I pulled this article from and check that out. But they're allowing public comment through this um, through July twenty sixth as well. So go check that out. A little something extra here for a closer. Um, a camper killed a charging moose near Sandpoint, Idaho, and they reported that the moose tore the campsite apart and charged the camper and his dog. So he shot the moose with a 45 pistol. And um, that's interesting. So they're just urging people, stay vigilant in the backcountry, and obviously not only to bears, lions, and such, but also moose, especially if it's like a cow and calf she'll stomp you so keep that in mind when you're out about some important dates there are quite a few important dates coming up basically just because the the draws are coming to an end you know I think all actually all draws um, throughout the West have come to an end we're um, on to leftover draws and things like that um, but these all these dates that I'm going to give you are, the remaining permits that are coming out after the leftover draw. So if you went through all the draws and the leftover draws without getting something, here's your chance to just find something for like an opportunity to hunt to get after it. More than likely, it's probably gonna be like an antlerless tag of some kind, but in the field is in the field and you could be hunting an antlerless um, tag in a unit where you eventually want to hunt antlered. So keep that in mind, pretty good. Time to do some scouting and uh, familiarize yourself with an area. So first up, July 8th, we have Utah general elk or general archery elk permits and remaining limited entry permits available. It's like first come, first serve. They're just going to be open. Um, July 12th, on to Wyoming. The leftover list um, or the leftover first come, first serve is going to be available. So that's coming right up here next week. Also next week, July 13th and 15th, Utah general season, any bowl and any remaining mule deer general general tags are going to be available. July 21st, Montana deer and elk, and then the B tags, the surplus list deadline is July 21st. July 23rd, just a couple days later, we have Nevada's first come, first serve. July 26th. Arizona, first come, first serve, and then August 1st, Idaho, leftover, deer and elk tags are going to be available to residents and non-residents. So something worth looking into just to see what you can get for an opportunity, fill the freezer, um, just get out and about and get hunting. Um, okay, so on to hot minute, going to roll through some uh, questions here. And I've talked about this before, but if your uh, question is read, you will be entered to win a membership um, through our sponsor, Onyx Hunt Maps. Um, If you're ready to to re-up your membership or you're looking to purchase, enter code ROCKCAST um, to receive 20% off. And that has to be done right through the Onyx website. It cannot be done through the app, so keep that in mind. You just go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt and at checkout in code Rockcast get you a little discount on us. Um, okay. First one here, Hayden underscore Sam's on Instagram, um, says tripod heads. He's picking up a Swaro ATX 85. What heads should I be looking at? Um, I've been an outdoorsman's user for a long time. I do understand that they're pretty dang expensive, um, but just your standard pan head from, um, From Outdoorsman's has been really nice Um, for a scope like that. I've been I've used it with a 95, I've been using it with my um 80 millimeter sig, and it's been a great head. Um another one that's like the cheapest one that I've used is comes in at like I think 80 bucks, maybe 90 dollars. It's the Benro S2. You can get that from SNS Archery. Um, that thing is pretty good. It, uh, yeah, it's just, it's pretty good for what you pay for it, but you can definitely tell that that doorsman is burlier, more robust. It's going to take a lot more hell, if you will. So go take a, a look at that one. And then honestly, what I have been trying to recommend to people is just go to SNS Archery's website and look at their tripods and tripod heads. Like, they're not just gonna carry a big line. They really pick and choose what they are gonna carry and make sure that it's stuff that they would use. So I would go over there and look at, um, look at theirs because there there's a Siru head. And I'm not sure how you say that. I think it's Siru or Siru or something similar. They have a really nice head that Rob was talking to me about. Um, few months ago so you should uh, just head over there and check that out and also if you go to if you go to purchase from them let them know where you're coming from and you might get a little discount there too okay next one Davo underscore 823 from instagram says best sleeping bag for a spike camp setup so kind of depends that's that's a pretty like a broad question but for most Western, Hunting type things, I would definitely say don't go over a 20 degree limit. That's one stipulation I would have um, as far as getting your sleeping bag. Um, Another thing, you know, depending on where you are, the whole down and synthetic toss up, if you're in a really wet environment, or if you, I would say for like, if you're only gonna have one bag, I personally would choose to have a synthetic bag just because it's kind of the do-all bag. Um, Typically synthetic doesn't pack down as much as down, uh, pack down as much as like a goose down bag or a traditional down bag. Um, They're gonna be a little bit heavier, but on the flip side, you're gonna get a lot of benefits to that synthetic insulation, specifically when it gets wet. So um, when it gets wet, it's still gonna retain heat still gonna have some heat retention values. Whereas if you have like, you know, a goose down or whatever, it's gonna go flat and you're gonna be screwed basically. So that's always why I have, the very first bag that I bought was a synthetic because of that reason. And from there, I just, that wasn't a very good synthetic pack. Um, That was a, it was a Big Agnes Lost Ranger. Um, Just a side note, a lot of big Agnes' thinking um, towards their bags is, they don't put any insulation on the bottom, so you only rely on your pad. And the reason that they do that is because when you lay on the bottom of your bag, it compresses the insulation, you're not getting any heat, you're not getting any warmth value from that compressed down anyways, or synthetic, same thing. You're not getting any value from it anyway, so you should just rely on your pad. I think of that system the same way I think of like quilts because it's kind of the same thought process. Um, early season, like in the summer or maybe early September, that's probably a good system. I use a quilt during that time of year um, and it seems to seems to work really good. I actually like it. But you roll into like later September where it might start snowing or raining a lot, you might get some weather. That's when I bump up to just a regular bag. So just with that, the whole Big Agnes thing that I just went on to, I think that they, that system definitely has its place, but as far as like a one do all, um, I wouldn't recommend it. And it seems like Big Agnes is just a go-to for a lot of people because they're, they have a lot of products, a lot of sleeping bags, a lot of tents, and they just get a lot of traffic. So um, that's just something to think about. If it were me, I would steer clear of the Big Agnes system that has no insulation on the bottom. If you're going for like later September, October, November on, you know, later season, mid later season type hunts. Early season, you're probably fine. Um, but yeah, just a little just a little tidbit there. So what I use, I currently have a 20 degree slick uh, Kafaru bag which is a synthetic bag, and that is what I'm going to take to Alaska with me. If I was going to anywhere where it was going to be really wet climates or if it was going to be like, honestly, even October, you know, late September where the snow that you get is going to be really like, you might get snow and it's going to have a lot of moisture in it and then it's going to melt the next day because it's going to be 75 and everything's going to be really wet and just mucky. I would lean towards that synthetic bag. So that's what I would be taking. Um, and then I but I also do have a down bag. It is a uh, western mountaineering badger and that's been a great bag for me. Um, I usually something to consider with those down bags is pair it with something like a Bora bivy, a bivy of some kind that's going to protect that down a little bit more. Um, but down just takes a little bit more care basically, um, especially if you get that stuff wet, it's going to take forever to get it dry. Like you're not, even on a really nice, you know, windy, hot day, uh, it's not even going to dry that much. Like it's going to take some real time to dry that stuff out when it gets wet. So just something to think about there. So as far as, you know, best bag, um, I would check out like Western Mountaineering for a down bag. If that's what you decide to go with, I would look at Kafaru for synthetic bags. Um, I have... No idea what the bag is like, but we just talked about that Sitka bag that came up. Um, I just, I would go through those routes, you know, think about what time of year you're going to be in. Um, I definitely wouldn't go over a 20 degree bag for any season. And then rolling, you know, if you're going to go into October, I would look at going with like a zero degree bag or like a 15 degree bag at the most. Um, But like a, you know, one all do all. I would aim for like a zero degree synthetic bag is what I would go for. So I hope that helped. I know that was a lot. That was a lot of talking. Um, Meach Best from Instagram says, elk stalker predator decoy worth taking for a solo elk hunter. I have not called a ton of elk um, with archery equipment. I just want to say. Um, I've done it a little bit, but Something I've really noticed as far as decoys go <clears throat> is if you're in really thick timber, um, I don't think it makes as much of a difference, um, you know, as, as if you're in open country. So if you're in like really open country and it's going to take a bit to pull those elk over to you and you don't have somebody that can like continuously call in front of you um, or sorry, behind you to try to pull that elk into you then, um, then I think a decoy can really be effective. Um, but if you're in like, you know, really dense timber where you can't see very far, you know, more than likely you're going to have a chance to like make a call yourself and then move up 20 yards or 30 yards or whatever, and still have that elk look hopefully behind you. So, That is really up to somebody that knows a hell of a lot more about elk hunting than me, but that's just what I have observed, honestly, with just decoys in general. It doesn't even have to be an elk decoy, but that's what I would say. If you're going to be in more open country, I would definitely take a look at it. Um, But I have seen some decoys that really turn some elk away, too. So um, think about that. And honestly, go. uh, listen to what the heck is that podcast called with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. I don't know if that's just is Elk Nuts or Elk One O One. They have a podcast together that they talk about Elk all the time. It's pretty good. Okay. Kenneth Thrall says would you recommend a SteriPen or a pump style filter? This kind of depends on what you're doing. Um if you're gonna be in and around water a bit, then a SteriPen is like a great option because you can, if you're passing by a, a crick or something, you can fill your Nalgene up, you can toss it in your pack, and then when you get to where you're going, you can SteriPen it, and then there you go, you have a liter of water. Where it becomes a problem, to me, um, is like time to fill a water bladder up. So, you know, if you're going to, if the only means you had was a SteriPen, then you have to fill a six liter water bladder up one water bottle at a time and one Sterapin at a time. So um, the time thing there is not great. Typically what my process is, is I have an algae bottle and a Sterapin. And then with my water bladders, I will just drop some, um, I'll drop a like an MSR AquaTab into it. Just whatever that means. Um, I think it's like two tabs per liter or something like that. Um, or one tab per three liters, maybe. Read the directions on that. Um, I, it's been a while since last year. But oh, definitely, um, that's what I typically use. Because as soon as I fill that six liter up, I can just take those aqua tabs, drop it into the water. I can throw it back into my pack. As I'm walking, it's basically shaking it up. I can shake it up a little bit more when I get to camp. You, know, you wait 30 minutes and then you're you're good to go um that does have a little bit of a taste to it that can take a little bit of getting used to <clears throat> a lot of the times i'm throwing some kind of a drink mix into mine anyways or i'm using it to cook with so i don't really care um but that's been a good system where pins are not really fantastic is if you have like standing water to get water out of or something that like has a lot of bugs in it or whatever. There's no pre-filter going into your Nalgene bottle. And you can use stuff like, you know, if you have like one of those net gators with you, or you can use a t-shirt or whatever if you really want to try to filter some things out. Um, but just in general, there's like no pre-filter. There is no pre-filter that goes into your water bottle um, before you pin it. So that's where like a pump style filter could come in. But a couple things on the pump style filters that's bad can be bad. Um, They can also get, they can get clogged up, you know, with all that stuff. Like you're filtering, you know, bad, nasty water through it. They can get plugged up. So something to think about, kind of plan for, have some kind of a way that you're going to clean that thing. And then, If you're going into the late season or it's like freezing at night, um, if you leave water in that filter, it can freeze. It's gonna expand and then it will crack that filter, but you won't actually know that it cracked the filter so then it won't actually be filtering out all the bad stuff. So um, make sure you back flush the heck out of that thing and shake it out. You can, I know people have thrown it into their sleeping bags before so it doesn't freeze. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a toss up for most Western styles, places that I go that seem to have a lot of water. The Sterapin Nalgene has been great. And then my big bladders, I just throw Aqua tabs into, or you can use iodine tablets, um, or anything like that. But the Sterapin Nalgene is just a, a light compact option. It's pretty quick too. So there's my, uh, a little bit there. Okay, um, Nolan James Shening from Instagram says, talk about pairing eights with 15s instead of a spotter. So this really depends on what you're wanting to do. So if you're in like really open country for elk or for deer, and you're just looking for like any elk and any deer, you just want to see if it has antlers on its head, then I think, you know, a pair of eights on your chest and then 15s on a tripod, is a pretty good way to go. But if you're looking for any kind of size or if you're looking at a long ways away, I just really like using a spotting scope. Like I don't use 15s as much as I used to. I still have mine and I just love them to death. Um, But I'm a little bit more particular in the country that I'm using them in. Um, Just honestly, as an example, the other day I was out mule deer scouting and where these little like basins where I was looking for deer in were probably no more than, they were no more than two miles away. That's probably a stretch too. Like they were, most of the deer that I saw were like, were probably right around that mile mark. And it was definitely nice having the 15s like out to that point. But there was a lot of country in between that, I almost think I would have done better with 10s um, or like my 11s, my SIG 11s on the tripod instead of the that little bit extra power just because my field of view would have been so much bigger. Um, and I just wouldn't have had to move as much um, when I was on the glass. So like the field of view on the 15s, it was just like I, I could look at, I didn't get as much of a field of view so I could look through that country faster and then I would have to move more. Whereas it seems like a pair of like 10s or those 11s I was talking about or 8s like you're talking about, that big field of view and you can just sit there and stare into all of it and not have to like move the binoculars as much if that makes sense. Um, But that being said, I always take a spotting scope with me too um, on those trips. It was really nice to be able to zoom in and get a better look like the deer the couple bucks that i ended up finding that i needed to keep tabs on um they were probably a mile away i was looking at them through 15s i could tell they were bucks couldn't tell anything else about them until i put the spotting scope on them and even then you know with the the light like it was it was it would have been really difficult to to figure out what those deer were with 15s from that far away so if you're in more open country like that and you're just looking for a buck or you're just looking for an elk or a bull or you know even on a cow hunt or doe hunt or whatever then I think that you know rolling those 15s in that bigger country is a good play it's a good way to save some space and some weight um and then of course the 8s on your chest for the you know close in stocking stuff um but if you want to tell what's on their head at all I would ditch the 15s do like a pair of 10 11s you know, I I'm even in on like the going with 12s in a spotting scope boat um and I think that that combination is going to be a little bit is definitely going to be better for people who want to really like pick country apart and look for bedded deer and look at their antlers and you know know if they want to go on a stock for that animal or not so I I hope that makes sense. I think that's a little bit more applicable towards like elk hunting, just like the average archery elk hunter who um, doesn't need to carry a giant spotting scope, but they want to be able to like look across a basin and find, you know, a bull or like a little herd with some bulls in it or whatever. So hopefully that made sense. Um, and then last one, Kyle Hanson Outdoors asks what boots I've got for my sheep hunt. I... Currently I'm gonna use the Slewa Raven 3s. And pretty dead set on that. There's still a little bit of time with a couple of backpacking trips this summer that that could change my mind. And I'll tell you if something happens and I'm just like not feeling it, I don't see that happening, but if something happens and I don't feel it, I do have a backup plan, which is the Crispy Brixtel. It has a fantastic boot. I've worn it a lot. Um, and so that's going to be my backup plan. So, interesting thing there. It's been a it's been a journey through the boots. That's for sure. Um, okay, so back to um, back to talking about onyx, like I just did. The uh, my onyx tip of the week is adding pictures to pins and sharing them with your buddies. So. Um, a really good example of, uh, of where I'm, you know, Onyx is gonna be a very vital role in my life coming up is I just hired a guide to a guide for me in my outfit, Running Water Hunting in Nebraska, which by the way, I do still have some archery hunts or archery slots available for whitetail. Your tag is good for whitetail and mule deer, um, just depending on if you see a good mule deer or not. November 1st through the 5th, It's a really fun time to be in the tree around here. It's really cool country. So if you're interested, look me up. Um, Anyways, that guide uh, hasn't really guided here before. And he's been here. um, And so I've been able to show him the area and whatnot. But as far as like really pinning things down, he can't be here all the time. um, And I'm not exactly here all the time. So and I'm not gonna be here some of the time when he's guiding on his own. Um, so like, I just went out and set cameras the other day. I can drop pins right at those cameras. Um, I can take a picture of the tree with the camera on it or the post with the camera on it, um, you know? And then I can jot down in the notes like, hey, the camera's facing this direction, um, you know, whatever else I wanna tell about it. And then I can share that to him and he'll be like, okay, cool. Um, I can go, you know, a couple days before the hunters get there, when I show up, I can roll out and I can check that trail camera and I can figure out if we want to sit in that stand that's near that trail camera or whatever, same with stands. So like I have all of my stands marked, um, I'm in the process of taking pictures of all the stands so he knows like exactly what it looks like. Um, you know, and then down in the notes, I can be like, Hey, you know, the deer like to come in from the West or, you know, this stand is better for like a Southwest wind or a West wind or a North wind or whatever. I can have that information all in one place and I can just share the pin to him and he can bring it up and say, all right, these are my Westerly pins or Westerly wind pins or whatever. So that's interesting. Um, That's a really good way to share things between people, and especially being able to attach photos to that um, can be really helpful in finding exactly what you're supposed to be looking for. So there's that. Okay, on to workout of the week. This one um, is a mountain tough workout program. Um, They call it the fireball workout. But before we dive into that, um, I have been mountain biking the last, I don't know, couple weeks. And that's like a really, really good workout, I feel. Um, That's like smokes your cardio from a way that running can't, I think. Um, It mixes things up. It gets, it's not as like impactful on your joints and things, but it like will burn your quads out um, and really burn your legs up. So and, and hit your cardio really hard. So if you haven't tried mountain biking, you should really get on that because I've been missing the boat all my life. I feel, um, okay. So onto this workout of the week, um, first things first mountain tough, they do have a 25% off sale going on their 30, 2.0 program. That's pretty cool. So the thirty thirty is a body weight program. You need very, very little equipment, if any, um, and they're doing 25% off. So that's a, it's a dang good deal. Um, so I just dove into my 3030 2.0. I haven't got through all the way through the original 3030 yet. So I haven't started the 2.0, but I opened it in my account and looked at the first workout. And I'm going to share that with you now. And it looks brutal. So, okay. They call it the fireball workout. You're gonna do two supersets and then a core workout. So superset number one, you're gonna do five rounds of a plank jack, air squat, release push-ups, and okay, that's that's it, just those three. So you're gonna do five rounds of all three. The trickery here is the beginners. The first round will be. 16 sets of each. So the first round, you're going to do 16 plank jacks, 16 air squats, 16 push-ups, release push-ups. And then the second round, you're going to do 10 of each of those. So 10 um, plank jacks, air squats, release push-ups. Third round, you're going to be doing six. And then this is the real trickery portion of this, is you're going to go back up to 10 for the fourth. And then to finish the fifth round, you're going to do 16. That is superset number one. And then superset number two you're going to move on to is burpees, reverse lunges, and tricep push-ups. Same thing for the beginners. You're going to do 16 of each for the first round, 10 of each for the second round, third is going to be six of each, and then you're going to go back up, do 10 and 16 to finish out fourth and fifth round. Um, The elites, um, elite people, not the beginners, They did have an intermediate in there as well, um, but the elites, they want you to bump all the way up to 30 for the first round, 20 for the second round, 10, and then go back up to 20 and 30. And then you're going to have a core finisher to top all that off. You're going to do a one minute just regular plank, then you're going to do a one minute right side plank, a one minute left side plank, and then you're going to do 10 V ups, 40 suitcases, 60 bicycles. 80 Russian twists, and 50 sit-ups. So, good lord. Um, that's that's pretty, that's a brutal, that's a brutal one. So that is what uh, is the workout of the day. I have not done mine yet. I did do some light running this morning, but um, that's that's been it so far. So maybe I'll, I'll get jumping on this workout here today. Still, so, okay. That pretty much concludes Tipsy Tuesday. It is July 6th. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. I know ours was pretty relaxing. We just sat in the river and hung out. Um, and, yeah, I hope everybody is planning their scouting trips. You know, July is here. It's, like, time to get to scouting, find some animals, bucks, bulls, whatever, and get to scouting. We do have some cool scouting um, podcast episodes coming up. That's hopefully going to help you um, find, you know, a buck or a bull or get into those areas where uh, those writing areas or find an antelope or whatever. We're going to try to cover it all. So stay tuned and we will talk to you on the next episode.